Hello and welcome to Calibre Audio's Book of the Month for November. I'm Emma and today I'm joined by Natalie. Hello. And we are discussing one of Susan Hill's classic ghost stories, not The Woman in Black, which you may expect, but The Mist in the Mirror, written nearly 10 years after The Woman in Black. So, the synopsis of the story reads, One dark and rainy night, Sir James Monmouth returns to London after years spent travelling alone. Intent on uncovering the secrets of his childhood hero, the mysterious Conrad Vane, he begins to investigate Vane's life, but he finds himself warned off at every turn. Before long, he realises he's being followed too. A pale, thin boy is haunting his every step, but every time he tries to confront the boy, he disappears. And what of the chilling scream and desperate sobbing only he can hear? His quest leads him eventually to the old lady of Kittiscar Hall, where he discovers something far more terrible at work than he could ever have imagined. So, that's, I'll, I'll actually start by saying that that synopsis in itself would usually have me running for the hills <laughs> because I'm not um I'm I, I love don't get me wrong I love gory horror and crime stories um so you'd think this is right up my street um but I don't I, and I, I just don't bat an eyelid at any of that but if you hand me a ghost story I'm just absolutely terrified because I think my imagination is worse than what anyone can produce um so I I can't read them at night if it's a real chilling ghost story I can't read it at night <laughs> I had read this one before luckily enough so I knew it was coming so that was fine um but I just, I, but weirdly, again, so you'd think I wouldn't bother reading them, but I am weirdly, draw, morbidly fascinated I think, by them, <laughs> so I'm drawn to them. So I really do like, I think there's nothing better than a good ghost story um, curled up on the sofa with a cup of tea and if like, the wind's howling um, outside and the rain lashing down, then sort of all the better. And if it's also set in Victorian era, mm-hmm. that's me sold. Usually I'm, I'm kind of gone. Um, now, that's something for me, obviously, in many ways, the mist in the mirror delivers um but just uh, i don't know is, is a ghost story something that you would go to natalie normally is that sort of i your... think i'm i'm very similar to you emma in that i quite like gore and blood and guts and and that kind of horror um and i i don't often read a ghost story and they are really chilling like the ones i've read and i did find parts of this book to be quite chilling um and yeah, you're right. It's just your imagination just completely runs away with you because you just have to feel like the wind at the back of your neck, especially when you've been reading a ghost story to kind of speak yourself out. Um, and I did really enjoy the like the supernatural elements in this book. And I did find them a bit like, oh, like yeah. something in here with me. Well, that, uh, I mean, just actually, for, for me, a ghost story has to draw you in straight away. And if I just read you the first paragraph, it's, so we start with a preface, um, which is the preface to Sir James Monmouth's manuscript. Um, so this um, says, London and the library of my club towards the end of an afternoon in late November, that bleak, dispiriting time of year when the golden Indian summer days that lingered on through October seem long gone, and yet it's too early to feel the approaching cheer of Christmas. Outside in the streets, the air was raw and a light mizzle greased the pavements and had chilled my face and damped the sleeves of my coat. And I love that just immediately you get the scene set. So you're you're sort of drawn in. And that's it is something I think Susan Hill in her um, well, not, not most of her ghost stories do does quite well. Um, and that's just and, and so that the story kind of goes on from there because we've got this we start with this unnamed narrator really don't we mm-hmm. so he's off to his sort of gentleman's club so we are we're very much set in the Victorian era um, and he's gone in there just sort of out of the cold and, and um, having a drink and um, he notices there's a, a Sir James Monmouth in the corner um, and he's 
he's not really spoken to him before, but as it happens, um, he overhears a conversation, doesn't he, that, that this unnamed narrator has with his other friends that turn up. And this then leads on to him leaving him this manuscript that he's written of his experiences. So that actually, the whole book, that unnamed narrator doesn't appear till the end again, and then the whole book is is his manuscript, isn't it? So... Um, that uh, what so just sort of going into the first bit of the story um how did did you know kind of did it did it take you in straight away so did it grab you in from the beginning it did and um and i love that you've just read out the first paragraph because it really set the scene and immersed me in the book particularly because you know we're in late november um and you could look out the window and see a very similar weather as to what's been described um i yeah, I really enjoyed the like the preface because I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I think it set up the the rest of the book really nicely. Um, I really enjoyed all the descriptions, um, particularly in the beginning of the book, um, just how London is described. Um, it's almost a character itself. Um, the the descriptions are quite lengthy, but they really they're very evocative of the like the weather, the smells, um, that the people who are living and working there. Um, I really liked how descriptive the emotions of uh, all the different emotions that James was feeling when he arrived back in London, and the description of him just sort of moving around the city and exploring it. Um, but yeah, it did take me right in. Again, I think it's because I'm a fan of Victorians, um, so I just enjoy reading anything really about that era. I think that's one. Of, I mean, that's that's one of the big takeaways I think from her Susan Hill's ghost stories for me actually is is how she how she writes a scene and draws you in. So there's there's um, just a, again a paragraph um, later on in the book where um, he's describing about he's been to uh, he's basically gone to visit. Um, Alton, which was that was at the university, wasn't it? Was that the college, Alton? Was that? Uh, um, was yes, it was the where one of his ancestors was. Yeah, was it school or college? That's right. Um, so he he's just sort of come back from Alton, Alton into to London, um, and the description of the the sort of two different areas is brilliant. So he's he's describing the so we're obviously in the the bleak kind of winter and it's snowing, um, and he says Alton the snow had been a thing of beauty to be admired and enjoyed, a foil to the ancient stone buildings and softening the landscape all about me, but London was a city paralysed by winter, frozen to its heart, the pavements rutted and treacherous. The roads a mire of sugary brown slush, in squares and gardens where the snow still lay untrampled, save by the claws of a million birds, it could perhaps be but looked upon with pleasure. But going about one's business, even walking a short way, cold and stumbling, was misery indeed. Only the glow of braziers from workmen's huts and chestnut and hot potato stalls warmed and brightened the dark and made fragrant the air that seemed black with frost and tasted bitter on the tongue. And even that's almost scarier than the, it <laughs> the is. ghost story. Um, and I just, she's got lovely turns of phrase like that throughout the book, which just bring you into, and that's what I mean about sort of curling up with a book on an autumn night. She, this really is for me. Um, the kind of the epitome of that. Um, but going sort of back into the the ghost story, um, as it were, we've got sort of two concepts here, haven't we? So it, it, if you like, the ghosts are kind of characters in, in this book, aren't they? So we've got um, the the pale boy that appears, who we're not sure... First of all, you're sort of a little bit unsure if it's just a figment... If it is a boy, you know, mm-hmm. if it's just someone that's that's he's seeing on the street. Um, and it then becomes apparent it's not, not quite that as it seems. Um, so you've got 
him, which he didn't bother me too much, I have to say. But then you've got this really enigmatic Conrad Vane figure. So what, what did you make of the two of those? Yes, uh, I agree. The The child, it yeah, it didn't really spook me. Um, because at first I thought, oh, is it a real boy that's just following him? Like he's seen this uh, person... Uh, get off the boat with all his belongings. Maybe he, you know, he thinks he's got money or something. He's just following him around. Um, but then it became apparent that it was a, a ghost. Um, but th- th- I didn't feel there wasn't anything sinister or scary about him. Um, so yeah, I didn't. I didn't really feel feel spooked out by him. But Comrade Vane, I was very interested in, and I really enjoyed reading like all the the snippets of information that James gathers about him um I I did feel slightly frustrated that James would he would seek out people who knew Conrad and you know arranged to visit them and they all gladly accepted and said yeah you know come on by visit me and then no one would give him any information and I found that really frustrating because Comrade is is the villain, like I think a big villain in the story, and there's so much ambiguity surrounding him. Um, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, I just yeah. I was a bit like, oh, I want to, I want to know more because it was so interesting. Oh, sorry, that just reminded me that um, when James, quite early on in the book, he is. Um, He'd been writing about his experiences as a child and a teenager growing up in um, Africa and visiting India, China and all other places uh, in the East. And I really enjoyed the descriptions there of how hot and humid and dry the weather was. And again, all the different things that he experienced and when he came across Conrad. So that was really good. It really like sucked me in. Like, oh, OK, you're really invested in this. So Conrad is, I think he was a, like a pioneering explorer and he had written um, like memoirs of all of the journeys that, and adventures that he'd been on. And James started following in his footsteps um, in this nomadic lifestyle. Um, so it really sucked me in and I was really interested in Conrad. And then I was really interested into... Why don't people want to speak about him? Like, what is it about him um, that people know? And, you know, they're trying to deter James from finding out more. I, I sort of felt that it had um, a bit of a... Because that, that, that was my downfall with the book, really, I have to mm. say. In the, and actually, interestingly, um, I'd read the book the first time and I hadn't really picked up on it. But actually reading the second time... I realised when I got to the end, I was a little bit disappointed with that, with how it wasn't, you know, that bit wasn't explained. Um, and it sort of, the, um, the Comrade Vane figure, sort of, for me, had a little bit of echoes of um, uh, Heart of Darkness by Joseph Comrade, where um, they're, they're going after this enigmatic figure who's sort of deep in, in the jungle. Um, and it, it, it's that, he, he and that he was a real sort of presence through the story, but that was wrapped up really nicely. And, and him, so Comrade Vane, um, in this essence, you know, it, it doesn't feel like uh, just a, a matter of circumstance that that um, Monmouth has stumbled over him and has decided to go on travels. It just it seems a bit like it was meant to be. You know, yeah. like it was fate. And and obviously that turns out that that's more likely as he goes on and investigates his family history and then Conrad Vane appears again. Um, and and he becomes it's a real sort of malevolent presence really. And 
I just well, to to get to the end and sort of you what happens it, it, sort of in terms of um, Monmouth seeks out his his remaining family, but even the, the um, uh, description that his remaining relative gives about oh you know I'm really sorry mm-hmm. this has been passed on to you, but there's nothing in it to explain why what happens. It's you, you're the the um, it. It's sort of intimated that it's a curse, isn't it? So he's been cursed in some way, but but how? But what? You know, is it part of the travels that Conrad's Conrad Vane's done? Has he come? Is it some sort of um, black magic kind of thing? Or what? but and that would be really interesting, I think, to find out. But we don't. We're never really given that, are we? No, we're not. Absolutely. Um, and because when Monmouth went to was it Alton? I think it was Alton, where he stayed at the school for a few days and was going through the library. And he discovered that that's where one of his relatives attended, um, like school or college, and that's where Comrade went and they would have known each other. I was like, oh, yes, we're going to find out now what's happened. It's going to be something to do, you know, this. it's going to be like old family feud or something that's happened and it's sort of ended up supernatural. Um, But yeah, you're right, you just... The the whole book builds up to this point and there is zero payoff. Mm. And, yeah, I found it incredibly frustrating, um, particularly because it's a short story. And I found I really enjoyed the descriptions, like I said earlier, of all the different emotions and the weather and the scenery. And because Monmouth is... I think pretty much constantly moving around throughout the book, visiting different locations. So there's frequently new descriptions of the the new scenery, the new people he's encountering. And I think that's slightly to the detriment of the plots because I would have liked a bit more focus on the plots rather than all these descriptions. Um, I think if the book had been like 100 pages longer, (laughs) we could have had both. Because it did that did end quite abruptly, didn't it? So yeah, sort of I was like, like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I sort of turned the page and was like, what? <laughs> but interestingly, so I found a review um, online where somebody actually sort of is saying uh, that Hill's ghost stories are always more atmospheric than downright mm. spooky. Um, so I was prepared for the slow pacing, the descriptive settings and the slow reveals. This one, however, nev- never really worked for me. Or maybe it was that I felt I never really knew the main character of Sir James. Mysterious sighting of a small desperate boy, rumours and warnings against continuing his search, a strange bookshelf with a mysterious owner should have made this a stellar read. As much as I liked some of the journey, alas, at the end I felt I was still in the mist. <laughs> and that kind of sums up yeah. sort of what we've been saying about it, doesn't it? And interestingly, I don't know how you felt, but I sort of felt a bit misled by the title of The Mist in the Mirror because actually The Mist in the Mirror which won't say sort of what it alludes to, but there's only two occurrences of that in the book. And actually, if you blink, you miss it, really, Mm -hmm. because it's only very slightly. It becomes more uh, pertinent at the end, I think. Um, So it didn't... That didn't really feel what the book was about, because I also didn't really understand what the mist in the mirror was. No, (laughs) I didn't either. I was... It was... I missed the first mention of it. Um, And so it was only when I got to the end, I was like, oh, this is the mist in the mirror. But then I thought, well, why? The narrator, I just, I didn't get, like, had something happened from the narrator reading the manuscript? Like, has something has something been passed on by a paper? Yeah. But then he's not a Monmouth, or is he a long-lost Monmouth? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Because it seemed to, the curse was only thought to affect male heirs. Yeah, that's right, yeah. The Monmouth family. 
yeah. It's just... no, it's, it was. Um, I think as well. So, in terms of um, the, the going, so pick, picking apart it in that respect, um, going back to sort of its merits, really, would you say it's a, an easy read? Yes, um, I, d- I did. I found it really easy to read. I read it in two sets, two sittings, um, and I did enjoy it. Um, I thought as um, like a short read. It was really enjoyable. And again, because of the time of year, it's it's, it's the same as what's in the book. I really loved being immersed back in Victorian England. Um, I really enjoyed the different locations that he visited because the descriptions were so evocative. And I, I did really enjoy the plot. I'm just being very picky that I think... I, I, I'm just not a fan of ambiguity. I want it spelled out for me. I want to know what, why, when, how, um, rather than be left to my divide, my own sort of conclusions. But I, I did, I did enjoy it on the whole. There it is, was... I think. If um, have you read the Woman in Black? No, I haven't. So, oh, okay. No. So right. So here we go. So there's been a lot of comparisons um, when you read reviews online with to this with the Woman. Now, obviously, the Woman in Black was written first, so this mm. is ten years after, and it has. It has a sort of a similar format. Susan Hill, she, she did find a bit of a format for a ghost story and went with it because it worked really well. Um, so there, there is undoubtedly comparisons. If you haven't read The Woman in Black, I would say this, in my opinion, mm-hmm. it is the far superior ghost story okay. of anything I've ever read. So that book for me, I, I don't know if you, so some people say that they get out Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol every Christmas. Yeah. So every autumn for me on a, a November evening that's sort of, you know, it's all blustery and <laughs> outside, I will get The Woman in Black out. That is the only book that I would read and reread because oh, I have so wow. many books to read. But that for me is so atmospheric and it's so, I, that's the first book I've ever read that I was really true frightened with. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, and it's it's obviously massively, fa- you know, it's made into mm. a film starring um, Daniel Radcliffe as, as who's Harry Potter and uh, it's been running in the West End as a, as a play for a long time, which again, I've seen twice, scares me both times, I know it's coming, <laughs> um, but it's so clever on the stage as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I would thoroughly recommend if you haven't picked up uh, that as well to, to pick this up. But yeah, as a as a read, again, this is if you like that, you'll definitely like this. Um, mm. This is a little bit more subtler, I think, in that respect. Um, do you um, think that? So, uh, I mean, in comparison, um, uh, is there sort of any in terms of recommending? Um, I, I would say like people that read a, like a Victorian novel and, and sort of familiar with like Dickens and M.R. James and Wilkie Collins would probably like this and get on with it. Would you say that's fair? Yes, I would think so as well. And I think people who are perhaps fans of more sort of like modern, cosy crime mystery books as well would perhaps enjoy it because it was relatively short. Um, I did listen to a few chapters um, of the the audio as well. And the, the, I can't remember who the narrator is now, but um, he did really bring to life Mm -hmm. Um, like all the descriptions um, and I thought he had a really good pacing and like lots of um, like intonations when he was reading that um, that came across really well in the audio as well as the written book but I think yeah it's not necessarily just for fans of ghost stories I think people who just want like a nice short like descriptive book people who enjoy reading like prose rather than um, a book with lots of plot developments would like it. it. It was easy to read. And like I said, it did draw me in. And I read it in the two sittings because I wanted to keep reading and 
find out what was going to happen. I think that's the um, the thing that gets lost, isn't it? So sometimes with where people say, oh, "I don't, I don't like horror." I don't, and I think ghost stories get lost in horror sometimes, yeah. which is a real shame because there's an awful lot of horror that's almost sort of historical fiction in a way, with just a little subtle undertone mm. of like. The, so um, a good example of that is the Silent Companions by Laura Purcell, um, which is that really creepy, but set, you know, it's a historical setting, um, but very creepy um, and and just a brilliant book. And I think I think. People, I think that's the thing. It's, is it gets a bit of a bad press, but actually, um, people that that perhaps wouldn't necessarily pick up a horror book would definitely pick up a ghost story like mm-hmm. this. So, um, yeah, I, I would agree. I think it's it's worth giving a a, a punt on. Um, and what I would also say is. Um, a, a couple of things I like with this is is because of her use of language. I actually learned a new word. Oh, which one? <laughs> so there's um, a little bit in it where she says um, it's the uh, actually right at the beginning. It's um, the dreech weather had drawn in a few uh, a few more than usual at that time of day because he's in a that's when he first goes into his club, and I thought. Dreech weather, I've never heard of that. So I had to look it up. Um, and it just means dreary or bleak, which oh. makes perfect sense. But yeah, so I learned a new word as well, which is always good. Yeah. Um, so she's, uh, and there's another, there was another one um, he was describing again um, the weather, and the weather was, the sky, sorry, was thick and curded. And Ooh. curded, I thought, that's a really good, yeah, kind yeah. of really good sort of description of a, of a of, well, of anything, but, you know, in that in that terminology with a sky. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd learned a couple of, uh, very, very good little words that I'll, I shall be using. <laughs> um, so is there anything else that you think we've missed that, um, to tell people about on this? Uh, are we, is that kind of... No, I think I've sort of said everything yeah. about how I feel about the book. Just, yeah, I did enjoy it. I would recommend it. Um, don't be disappointed by the uh, by the lack of plot revelations, but enjoy the... Just enjoy the prose and the atmosphere. Yeah, and as I said, so I don't know if, if anyone's sort of like me, but in terms of ghost stories, my imagine my imagination is sort of a little can run right a little bit. So I, I think that's why I didn't pick up at the first time with the the sort of lack of um, closure, really, because my imagination was already yeah. by that point going, <laughs> going mad. At, you know, I was sort of hearing creaks and things around the house, and <laughs> that was the end of it. Um, but yeah, I would absolutely if you've never picked up a Susan Hill book. Um, and you sort of like what Natalie and I have just described in terms of just an atmospheric, uh, you know, slightly sort of gothic Victorian old fashioned ghost story um, of the like, you know, if you if you are always like me, uh, eager to wait for the Christmas Eve ghost story on BBC mm. Two, which is usually an MR James um, sort um, adaptation, then this is the book for you, really. This absolutely. Um, and as I say, if if you haven't come across the Woman in Black yet, then do do that because we've we've also got. Uh, that available so both of those books all of Su- uh, Susan Hill's books The Mist in the Mirror Woman in Black um, and many of her others because she is also a crime novelist so she's got a great uh, series featuring the detective Simon Seralia, um which is also really good so yeah I, I do if you've not even just come across Susan Hill before it's worth picking up one of her books so so please do that um, so we hope you've enjoyed listening to Book of the Month. Uh, we can, as I say, recommend this for a good atmospheric story uh, with a, just a, a slight chill to it. Um, so we hope you sort of pick it up because it's a great one for an autumnal night um, coming going forward. So please join us next time uh, where we're going for a, a seasonal offering this time and we'll be discussing The Twelve Topsy-Turvy Very Messy Days of Christmas by James Patterson and Tad Saffron, um, which is easy for, for me to say. Um, so thank you very much for listening and it's goodbye from me and goodbye goodbye from natalie and we'll see you next time thank you very much